I'm Alex Breitenbach. I'm Sean Cabrera. And this is the Big Red Hockey Cast, the official podcast of Cornell Big Red Hockey, produced by the Big Red Sports Network. As always, thanks for listening and check out the Big Red Sports Network at Cornell BRSN on Instagram to never miss out on any Big Red action. Well, this is a this is straying a bit from our typical formula. Of course, Cornell did not have the best of series against Colgate, needless to say. But we're actually just going to jump right in. Friday night, Alex, you call it Hockey Night. And what a well-deserved name that is. Yep. And Friday gave us a fruitful, positive start to the series, the quarterfinal series in the ECAC tournament against Colgate. So we actually emerged with a 3-1 victory and the Cornelians entered lineup Friday night with a sort of nervous excitement. The first period only fueled this anxiety as it remained deadlocked uh, through the first 20 minutes, in fact. Then Colgate broke the deadlock in the second period on a power play goal by none other than Matt Verboon, Colgate's leading goal scorer throughout the year. And Colgate maintained that lead into the second intermission. And with that, that being said, of course, a major penalty from Colgate in the beginning of the third period brought the big red offense to life. It was resurrected. I'm, I'm not sure I can make Christian analogies here, but, you know, there's a certain character in, in you know, the Bible that also happens to resurrect. But aside from that sort of joke. Yes. 30 seconds into the power play. Then Berard tied up the scoring on a beautiful power play goal. And then Cornell would continue to press throughout the third period, finally awakening their offense until Matt Steinberg, the cookie monster, broke the deadlock with less than 90 seconds remaining in the game. And Kyle Penny, of course, capped it off with an empty netter to give the Big Red their first win over Colgate this season and a one nothing lead in the best of three series. We're going to look at the Cornell power play first. They were one for two, the Big Red, but as good as that sounds, it was only one shot registered. So again, we're seeing that not too fruitful power play development going on on the Big Red side. However, the Cornell penalty kill, they were five for six with 12 shots against. So not bad at all, but a little bit sloppy when you realize that we were giving up so many penalties at that rate. Right, Alex? Uh, indeed. Yes, indeed. I, I would say that, absolutely. And we mentioned deadlocks earlier. The face-offs alone, it was 39 to 32 in favor of Cornell. So already it was kind of tight in that sort of scenario. But shots on goal was a totally different story, completely different story. 43 to 17 in favor of Cornell. And now how often do we get to see that Cornell is the offensive powerhouse between two teams? We don't often see that. In fact, it's usually the opposite. We're the ones conceding the shots. But somehow, somehow, some way, Cornell's offense, like we said, it was resurrected by the third period. So, oh, yeah. Not something was, you see every day. It, it was certainly a beautiful display of offense. That's what I'll say. To look at the goaltending stats and Colgate goalie Mitch Benson. Well, you have to, we have to realize 40 saves alone on 42 shots. Again, that was like, well, I believe that was Ian Shane who produced those numbers against Quinnipiac not too long ago. Yep. So imagine having to face off against an Ian Shane-like character on the opposite side. I mean, yes, Colgate obviously lost the first game, but you have to give credit to Benson because Benson, like you said, Alex, uh, off air, he played his heart out. He did play his heart out at least. I I will say, yeah. Yeah, pay attention to Mitch, Mitch Benson. He's a very important figure in this series, 100%. Correct. And he had a 952 save percentage overall. And Ian Shane had 16 saves on 17 shots for a 941 save percentage. Now, of course, notable takeaways. Cornell finally defeats the toothpaste college Colgate after a regulation and shootout loss in the regular season. And of course, Mitch Benson, we said he was a brick wall. That that man was almost he was not penetrable whatsoever from a goalie standpoint, not at all. And in fact, I believe it was just one could say it was an unfortunate rebound that finally gave Cornell momentum when I believe it was Steinberg who actually uh, capitalized on that. 
So one again, Benson had a fantastic game. Yeah, I have to give him credit there. Uh, Cornell he, he the disappointment after they scored the second time to tie the game up. That was certainly a yeah. very, very uh, deflating goal for Mitch Benson in this first game. And arguably for the rest of the Colgate team, too, of course, giving up that empty netter toward the end. Yeah, yeah, 100%. With that being said, Cornell scores yet another power play goal, despite only registering one shot and two power plays. So finally, they were they capitalized on a major penalty, and they maintained their 20% power play percentage on the season, which is such a weird number. We really have to rewind all these episodes and see how often they scored in the power in you know power play territory. We have to. We, yeah. We we're gonna hire a new statistician now. We're gonna have to see how how many times that happened. What we've talked about. Yeah. That. Yeah. Exactly. Not that we don't love. We don't. Not that we don't love our boy Ben. No. Like, no. 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 In fact, Ben, now you're getting a promotion. Now, now you have to check this out for us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, of course, Cornell's offense lacked tempo and intensity, a theme that would be recurring. It would be really a recurring theme now I think about it rather throughout the series. It was Cornell's upperclassmen that pulled through in the end with Ben Berard and Matt Steinberg tying the game and breaking the tie, of course, respectively. And as the old adage goes, the best defense is offense. We've also heard the opposite, but in this case, the best defense is offense. And by spending the majority of the game in Colgate zone, the big red were able to limit Colgate's offensive chances. Now, Alex, could we say that the same scenario happened Saturday night? Uh, no, not, not, not exactly. Um, but before we jump into that 4-2 loss, we have a new segment that we'd like to introduce, and that's called the Intermission Report. Um, and that's where we ask fans at the games their thoughts. So, again, you know, uh, it's the end of the season, but for next year, keep an eye out for our colleagues. Uh, well, Gabby's graduating, but uh, Sophia as well, who will be recording voice memos with their phones. So that's always fun to see. And it was an honor for them to do the intermission report um, today, but we'll get to that in a little bit. However, I, I just wanted to bring this up initially because I, I feel like this is a, a kind of a, a tradition because every week, Ben Rudoy, our, our famed statistician here and beer league champion, um, <laughs> or picks a player to watch yeah. on the opposing team. Um, and, you know, it varies by the week how good his predictions are. But my goodness, like, if I had bet money on Matt Verboon being, like, the guy who would spoil the series for us, I, I, I would have lost my money there because, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have bet on it. But, That's Ben, you, you were right there. And so without further ado, let's, yes, yes, exactly. Let's jump into game two of the series. So again, Cornell students poured into a packed student section Saturday night. We were excited to potentially send off Cornell to Lake Placid. Um, and early in the game, we had a questionable cross-checking penalty on Andre Pshenichka, only 545 into the game. Uh, and that ultimately led to an Alex Young power play goal. Man, Alex and Curtis mm. Young as well. That's another thing I got to say. Alex and Curtis Young did put on a show for, for, for the Colgate Raiders um, in this regard with their offensive presence. Um, and, man, Young was definitely chirping Steinberg a lot. I could, I could tell there that we, we had some bad blood there. Uh, yeah. But uh, Colgate took that lead into the first intermission. Uh, early in the second period, um, Colgate would take a two-goal lead off a crazy goal that ricocheted off three pairs of skates before eventually finding the net. That's a terrible bounce. I mean, oh, yeah. that, that's all we were saying in the stands. Is what a fortuitous bounce that was. Like, you know, you come to the rink every day to see something maybe you've never seen before, and, and that those goals are few and far between. And that, that that's actually as horrible as it was that it was against us. You know, that's just something that's so rare to see. And – but three minutes later, with the power play expiring, our boy Ben Berard continues his, uh, his point streak on the weekend, and he scored on a beautiful individual effort, uh, toe-dragging around two defenders before absolutely burying this puck into the upper right-hand corner. And that beautiful goal ended up being canceled out by a Jeff Stewart goal uh, for Colgate a little bit minute later. So that, that kind of soured the mood there. Uh, Ian Shane 
was pulled after the goal. Um, and I, I feel like this was serving less as a critique of play and more as a wake-up call for the team because we wanted to change the momentum there. And unfortunately, the rest of the game pr- proved to be a nightmare scenario for the Big Red uh, with, with definitely some questionable officiating. I know, uh, and I can say from sitting in Section B, I can say this is about as close to a full-scale riot I've seen at Lina Rink in years mm. because normally, you know, the – students are very level-headed about, you know, objective officiating. And I, and I understand it. Like I'm all for like objective officiating. If they make a good call, I'm going to call it like it is. That's a good call. Or like, you know, if somebody scores, even if I don't like the fact that they scored, you know, that's a good goal. That's yeah. no goal. It Whatever. is what it is. But yeah, it is what it is. Like, you know, you can't change it, but like, dude, Saturday night was, was pretty questionable. That's all I'll say. And uh, yeah. And that led to a five minute major in a game misconduct for Liam Motley which uh, Colgate capitalized on with yet another Matt Verboon power play goal. Good God. The Swiss legend for Colgate, apparently. Uh, <laughs> and the Big Red were unable to establish any momentum for the rest of the game. We ultimately occurred 38 penalty minutes in the last 30 minutes of the game. So all of eight minutes uh, were on the penalty kill, including a bench miner for two fans throwing newspaper on the ice. Ooh, that's, that's a new one. Yeah. I, you know what? <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm actually going to, I want to talk about that for a second. Uh, people don't believe like, like some people don't believe that they will call a bench miner. Don't throw stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> it was so annoying because it was like, we get it. The traditions are good. And, and you know, we like throwing toothpaste at the beginning of the game. We like to throw fish at Harvard and like, yes, I even laughed a little bit when Mitch Benson got hit in the back of the head with a tube of toothpaste. <laughs> But, like, that doesn't make it okay. Yes, I'll laugh at it, but, like, seriously, we actually got a bench miner for that. Now, that's actually something I've never seen before, though. You know, they do threaten it, but now they actually did it, which is crazy. And, and yes, yeah, so we got a, uh, a bench miner for two fans throwing newspaper onto the ice. And, unfortunately, another five-minute major and a game misconduct for uh, Peter Mazika and – Matt Steinberg did score a consolation goal with 144 left in the third period, but unfortunately their late third period push came up too short. That has echoes of the Princeton game at Lina in my mind, I think right there. Uh, now let's get into some stats there on the power play. We were 0-4 with seven shots on goal, obviously not the best performance we wanted to see there. Now the penalty kill, here's something that I, you know, we rarely see this, but Cornell, Correct. Penalty kill was five for seven with eight shots against. So mm. definitely not what we wanted to see out of our PK. Uh, faceoffs were 32 to 27 in favor of Colgate. I will say this. Max Andreev was damn near perfect on all of his faceoff draws. And, and that deserves praise right there. Because yeah. that man, I swear, every time he was on the ice, he won the faceoff. There was no question about that. They just could not come up with a way to beat this guy. He could either tie him up or he could win the draw cleanly. That was unbelievable. It was unbridled aggression. In that yeah, yeah, unbridled drive. aggression from Andrea. It was drive, there. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and good job, Maxi, for that. Shots on goal, much less compared to Friday night, 27 to 25 in favor of Cornell, so much, much more evenly spaced. However, mm-hmm. uh, goaltending stats, Ian Shane had 10 saves on 13 shots before being pulled in the second period for a 769 save percentage. Obviously not his night, but, you know, it's not his fault, honestly. Mm. Uh, and Gordy, Joe Howe, was put in in relief. Uh, 11 saves on 12 shots for him and a 9-1 save percentage, so not bad uh, mm-hmm. at all. Uh, pretty respectable. So Mitch Benson at the other end of the ice, 25 saves on 27 shots. Still pretty respectable, but it wasn't as good as his first night, and that's a 9-2-6 save percentage for him. Uh, so definitely a good performance uh, in that department. Some notable takeaways, though. Actually, Alex, before you get to that, let me interrupt you for a sec. I don't normally do this, but I want to ask out of curiosity because you know you are you are always up close. You're always there. Section B, that is your home. I have yeah. to say that that is that is your home. You 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 it. have an apartment there. It's your yeah you have a yeah, condo yeah yeah there. yeah exactly. That's the penthouse. <laughs> section B exactly penthouse right 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 parked up in the second row of section B. So what's up, bud? <laughs> So let me ask you, when that bench miner happened, because that's such a unique scenario that we don't see very often, 
And I want to ask you, of course, because you're probably the epitome of what it, what it means to be a line of faithful. Do you think that the refs would have done that same exact call had another team done that? Had another team done that? Because, of course, I think Ooh. not too many fan bases are as ferocious or vivacious as the Cornell Big Red line of yeah. faithful. But would the rest, would the rest, refs, excuse me, would they have done that? I, another team. I would I would sure hope so, although I will say honestly, the by the time that bench minor happened, the student section was already so livid mm-hmm. with the officials at that point that I think that they were just gunning for us at that point. Now I'm not saying that it wasn't justified to a certain extent because it was getting pretty bad. And it was to the point where like we were yelling at the other people in section B were like, Hey, you know, quit it with the newspaper throwing because yeah. like, and, and also kudos to the ushers for uh, helping us out there. I know I don't like, you know, I, that's rare. Yeah. I love most rare. of the ushers, <laughs> although I have a love hate relationship with, with some of them. And I'll tell you the story about how I almost got thrown out of the Harvard game some other time, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. That's a very funny story. However, that being said, I, I think that, Maybe Quinnipiac, that, that might happen, but I still don't think that any crowd in the ECAC, at least at this juncture, has the ferocity and, and the energy that our fan base has. And I'll be honest, through all three games, the energy was amazing. I love the energy. As much as, as, as mad as we were Saturday night, it was good energy. We loved it. Like that, that, that place was buzzing. You could tell that people were upset and, and, and you could hear it on the highlights. You can hear it on, you know, the, the video replay. Absolutely. Everybody's making noise. And that, that certainly I think says, uh, says a lot about that. Yeah. And, but anyways, I'll get into some notable takeaways of the game. Uh, Cornell, once again, we started a little bit slow and that led to a takeover of the game by the Raiders, uh, which eventually would turn into an insurmountable deficit and the case where we pretty much just ran out of time, mm-hmm. like, cause again, you know, back looking back to the Princeton game, I think, you know, hockey is as much a game of, of scoring as, as much as it is a game of time. Because if you look at it, I think that if we were, if we had a little bit more time in the third period, or we had awoken slightly earlier, we might've been able to do it. And I remember rallying the troops in section B. I'm like, do you believe <laughs> like, you know, yeah. cause out of every team, Every team in the ECAC, out of any team there, we were the ones that could have pulled it off, 100%, without a doubt. And two of Cornell's major contributors, Kyle Penny and Kyle Betts, the two Kyles, appeared to be both nursing ankle injuries throughout the game, making trips back and forth from the locker room throughout the first and second periods. We hope they're doing okay. And uh, mm-hmm. But one of the uh, big stories um, – from the game was of course the officiating uh, Cornell yes. racked up 40 uh, Cornell racked up 42 penalty minutes as opposed to Colgate's 12. Um, and I mean, that's essentially two whole periods worth yeah. of two whole periods worth plus two minutes of penalty minutes. That's crazy. And several missed calls, including one uh, Cornell player being speared where the sun don't shine after yeah. the whistle. Um, another player being put into a headlock and one hit from behind in the middle of a play. And that sent coach Schaefer over the edge. Uh, we definitely, um, we definitely heard that because as I can see from my, uh, friends over in section C, uh, uh, throughout the game, section C fans heard him verbally just ripping into the officials. And at the end of the game, coach Schaefer actually had attempted to confront the officials, uh, trying to pick a bone with drain uh, and as they skated off the ice and the team kudos to the big red team for holding the man back. Can't imagine mm-hmm. what that's like having to hold coach Schaefer back. You know, everybody has a, a John Tortorella moment, but I think that would have been a, a John Tortorella moment for coach Schaefer right there. Uh, and it, it was an ugly and frustrating ga- uh, game too. And the series would have to come down to a single elimination game three, do or die. And that's crazy. And I, oh, wait, wait, you want to say something? Yeah, but before we head on to Sunday, well, the Sunday evening afternoon game, actually, 
just for in case the people hearing this didn't watch that game, when Alex meant by where the sun don't shine, you know, we're talking about a uh, a cup check moment, one could oh. say. You know, it was a oh. can opener. Oh, it was you brutal. Know, you know, he oh, it was absolutely bets bets experienced a can opener. Of course, it's a now illegal move, needless to say. And yep. it was an obviously missed call there by the refs. So just just yeah. for context as to why Schaefer was yeah. already so furious, you know, and, just and, to emphasize. And honestly, and, 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 you know, I will say this. Coach Schaefer was not behind the bench on Sunday night, and a whole bunch of people were all speculating about that. Yeah. About like, oh, you know, did, did the officials from Saturday night – raise his blood pressure by so much that it was no longer safe <laughs> for him to coach behind the bench Sunday night because he would, he would actually go and pound somebody's head in. But, you know, Hey, one can always wonder. Yes. Um, and, and yes, yeah, so I, I'll say uh, Sunday afternoon, 4 PM, the first 4 PM game at home at Lina in a long time. And uh, let's just get into the game right here. Cornellian students filled up the sections A3, pretty much a sold-out crowd, like to see it, for the mm-hmm. third day in a row. And I got to say kudos to everyone who, was, who managed to get tickets in the 45 minutes they were available immediately after game two. Uh, yeah, that, that's always a fight. Hopefully it'll be better next year, but hey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cornell came out with a lot of energy, pinning back Colgate in their own zone for the entire period. By the end of the first, Cornell outshot Colgate 10-3, to Although, I mean, honestly, it, it looked like it may be the Mitch Benson show again because, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Mitch Benson was just standing on his head that entire period. And Cornell continued that pressure in the second period, but a well-executed um, offensive zone face-off play uh, and an unbelievable shot from none other than Matt Verboon. Yes, again, it's Matt Verboon in front of a gaping net to give Colgate the one nothing lead. That was pretty deflating. Uh, however, nonetheless, I will say that Cornell did not let up the pressure after they let in this after they let it, let in this goal. They kept up the pressure. They put up 27 shots by the end of the second period, as opposed to Colgate's nine. And the third period emulated the first and second, but with a little over eight minutes to go uh, in the in the game, Sebastian Durvin had an unbelievable shot from the point that was blocked, um, and that. Now, this is something – I'll just preface this. We don't see this very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ross, Ross Mitten uh, was the one who took the – blocked the shot, took it, and, and scored on a breakaway, which he absolutely just buried. Like, no chance for Ian Shane on that one. And I, and I know that, you know, everybody's like, oh, no, it, it sucks. But, you know, you can't – breakaways, you know, it's a it's, – it's it's a, it's a game of of inches and a game of like quick decision making and that's almost impossible to stop sometimes. And Ross Mitten just had eyes for the net, which he buried that shot and gave Colgate the two nothing lead. However, I will say, Ben Berard did put Cornell within one on a mad scramble in front of the net with seven point seven seconds remaining in the game. Now again. Dare I say Princeton part two, because we came alive. You know, we lit, we lit up the net and we, we, we crashed the net hard. But, you know, at the end of the day, hockey was a game of time. And I think we just sort of ran out of time here. If only, if only they allowed offensive, draw, offensive zone draws after you score a goal. That's mm-hmm. like the one thing I would say is because, you know, if we had the, the uh, if we had won the draw at center ice, you know, could have, would have, should have. But, hey, it's, it's all good. And, but, and again, so we came up short and we end our ECAC playoff run and our season uh, with the score two uh, to one on the series in favor of Colgate. Now let's get into some power play statistics. We were 0 for 2 with four shots on goal. That speaks for itself. Uh, I don't really want to get into that that much, but the PK actually very perfect on the PK one for one with one shot against we kept Matt Verboon out of the net on the uh, penalty kill. And that's something to be proud of there. Face-offs 
28 to 26 in favor of Cornell. Again, a amazing showing from the boys in the face-off circle, uh, Max, and to all of them, bets, you know, all of them did a great job. Shots on goal, 37 to 14 in favor mm -hmm. of Cornell. So certainly a very, very physical game. We threw everything but the kitchen sink at Mitch Benson. Everything, man. You know, I couldn't have asked for a better, like, for more, for better offensive pressure than that. The four check was great. The offensive zone pressure was great. The crashing the net was unbelievable. I liked it. Uh, but some notable takeaways. We, we do end the ECAC campaign. Or, oh, wait, wait. Whoa, whoa. Excuse me. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let's do goaltending stats first. Yeah. Ian Shane, 12 saves on 14 shots for an 857 save percentage. You know, I, I got to say, it was a, it was better. I think he had a better night than Saturday. And, I, you know, I know, I know it, it's not the happiest ending, but it is something to be proud of. You know, he, he kept us in there you know, when he needed to. And Mitch Benson, 36 saves on 36 shots for a 973 save percentage. Mm -hmm. Wow. That number speaks for itself, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I guess this is a good thing and a bad thing. You know, well, okay. As the as the guy who runs the telephone chance, it's a bad thing that Mitch, Mitch Benson is graduating. But uh, on our uh, on our end, you know, uh, for us next year, no more Mitch Benson because um, it's well, his senior year. And I, some notable takeaways here: Cornell ends their ECAC campaign with back-to-back -back losses to Colgate, uh, and due to their uh, ranking outside the top 15 in the pairwise um this also unfortunately ends our bid for the uh 2022 ncaa tournament as well um and the story of the series is obviously mitch mitch benson he made 101 saves on 106 shots over the course of the series good lord that's all i'll say about that yeah, he, he was divine man he was impressive yeah yeah absolutely divine in that regard and i i think what cost cornell in the end was their uh, inability to get past to shut down uh, trap style defense. Uh, mm -hmm. Some zone entries were difficult uh, throughout the series and the power play could not convert on numerous chances, especially definitely when it was crunch time in games two and three. However, um, while Cornell will be losing five seniors uh, this whole year, and especially um, these playoffs will be a, uh, a valuable learning experience of for maturing and growing, especially for goalies Ian Shane. Um, I know Gordy, uh, Joe Howe as well, defenseman Hank Kempf, uh, forwards Andre Pianichka mm -hmm. and uh, Kyle Penny, and of course the rest of the underclassmen. And now, Sean. Yes. Now it is that time of the week. We finally have the higher powers. Yes, have, of course. Have, have, have blessed us with new <laughs> intermission reports. Yes, so, they have. I, I think now what we're going to do, we're going to try to keep as, as live a reaction as possible yes. um, to these. To, Sean, do you have the clips? I do have them pulled up. Yes, I do. Nice. Okay. All right. freshman i think the guys have been playing great so far they're very aggressive very physical it's very fun to watch they've been moving the puck well and they've had lots of great chances and i'm excited to see what they can do in the next few periods so that was by maya a freshman here at cornell well firstly uh we hope you're enjoying your second semester here or at least what we assume is your second semester here at cornell thus far and you know engaging yourself with the hockey culture here just to say the very least and you know she was she was fairly right one could say alex i mean at the end of the at the end of game 3 37 shots were registered by cornell so she she was kind of right there yeah i mean i, I honestly i i think that's a, yeah no she, she was right there and i mean as a as a freshman we 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 love to see the the, the underclassmen coming out and and showing up to these games because this is what keeps the tradition alive. And I'm so happy. I'm always happy every year to see the freshmen come out. I know um, this year we've got a lot of new guys 
and they adapted really well to the chants and stuff. And it's, it's nice to see that. And uh, I, I can't wait to, to, to share more moments at line of rink with all the freshmen as well. So that's going to be fun. All right. And now we have the second scripture from the higher powers, the second recording. All right. All right. All right. Here it goes. So my name is George Gull, class of 72. I started coming to Cornell Hockey Games in 1968 when the big kid, Ken Dryden, was our goalie. And I got to see the undefeated season when the little kid, Brian Cropper, was our goalie. Wow. Wow. Since 1968. Wait, I think. My mother wasn't even born then. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mother was not even born. Okay, my dad was not born then. I'll say that. (laughs) My mom was alive, but she was like like two or three years old. Um, Wow. But, wow. you know what that reminds me of? Yeah, yeah. Uh, J- Jim Roberts and Arthur Mintz. The two of them had, like, were in, uh, were in similar classes to, like, Ken Dryden. And hmm. so they were able to see the, the later half of his career. But to be able to, to hear from a guy who's, who's witnessed the only undefeated season in hockey history, uh, or in college hockey history, rather, I will, uh, that, that is a true once in a lifetime experience. And I'm sure those memories live with him. Yeah. That's it's like witnessing a blue moon Well, in once in a lifetime, of course, or Haley's comet. You're right. Once in a lifetime sort of stuff. Yes. No, no, indeed. Especially, you know, and, and that, that honestly is what I am. it, It always, uh, makes me really happy to see uh, the, the townies. And, you know, as much as uh, the students were saying that, oh, you know, for COVID protocols, we should not allow townies and just have more students so we can have more capacity. Like at the beginning of the season, I remember that being a big thing, but the townies are a huge part. They, they're of, a part of us technically. Yeah, yeah, of the hockey culture. and. Yeah. And, you know, the stories that they have and the things that they've seen are, are, are so awesome to hear. It's always great to, to hear from them. And I know they say that a lot in regards to our sin bin, but like, I, I'm, I mean it genuinely in that that is a really, really cool intermission report. And just to add to that, in regard to that statement that you were just providing, Alex, why would you want to basically kill off the access of premium sport, premium hockey here in upstate New York to a specific community. You know, it's Cornell hockey that really brings the entire Ithaca community together, arguably. You know, there's a reason why it's so renowned. And Ithaca College doesn't have a team. They don't even have a rink, I don't think. Well, yeah, that's that's also true. (laughs) I kind of hate to point that, but that's, you're right. It's absolutely true. And with that being said, you know, even though, yes, more students should fill up line of rink, you can't ultimately exclude the townies because the townies, when they're at line of rink, they become one of us. They become one of us. They live here. They have every right, every access to these sorts of games, per my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I believe that as well, 100%. They are, uh, they certainly, yeah. Yeah, they make the games what they are, truly. Um, because, you know, hey, it's every game, win or lose, townies up. Two, uh, two minutes left, townies up, always. And, you know, that's never failed, and they've never failed us, for sure. Absolutely. And it's always good to, and the, good the to see that, them in every game. The fact that this man was class of 72. Now, people, well, people born in 1972 cover your ears because that was 50 years ago. 50 yes, years, 50 ago, years ago. This man has said he's been going to Cornell Hockey Games since 68, since oh 1968. 50 years. Some of the guys that played on the team, I know, well, Danny Lod was dead, the the, the captain of, of that mm-hmm. uh, 1970 team. He passed away recently. It's a, it's a shame, but that just shows you how, fa- how, how fast time flies by, man. Exactly. Wow, this got really philosophical really fast. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. 
<laughs> well, before we before we make this into like a Socratic sort of dialogue, let me pull up now the last uh, piece of audio from our higher powers. So my husband and I have had season tickets at Cornell for 32 years. We've been sitting on the glass for probably about 25 of those. I'm bringing a Czech flag to the game and waving it whenever Andre Sinitska scores a goal or gets an assist because both of my parents immigrated from the Czech Republic. Awesome. Thank you. Man, just, you know, again, not to get, I don't want to now get political, but, you know, the United States has always been a country that welcomed so many cultures and so many ethnicities. It's, there's a reason why it's so diverse. I mean, this is coming from a man who, whose parents are from South America, you know, and Hearing the, that sort of story is always kind of cool. And yeah, you're going to be a little bit prideful when you see Andrei Pšenička skate right out onto the ice. He's one of your countrymen in a way. So uh, I don't know. That's kind of like a, a wholesome sensation that it's really hard to describe. Yeah, I, I honestly, I think that's a wonderful tradition to start, you know, to see to they, they, they're right there, you know, during his introduction, they wave the flag and when he scores, they go nuts and they have the flag. It's, and, and they were at almost every game this season, too. It's, it, was, it was great to see. And with that, we have to thank, you know, the higher powers, of course, for their work this season. And, of course, when I say higher powers, I'm referring to our coworkers, Sofia Prieto and Gabby Nevin. Gabby Nevin will be actually graduating uh, this spring. So, firstly, congratulations to her in advance for graduating, obviously. And Sofia Prieto will hopefully be with us next season as well. I would be surprised if you were not. But that being said, do check out Cornell BRSN on TikTok because their quality of work translates just as well here as it does onto TikTok. In fact, I believe it was a TikTok video with the heavyweight rowing team. I believe it was them. And it garnered nearly 11,000 views. So do check that out. And yeah, just thank you overall to Gabby Nevin and Sofia Prieto for that stuff. That's unbelievable, man. I, I, I still can't get over that. One of my favorite moments out of the whole TikTok thing with, with BRSN was, uh, was, was getting to see Nate McDonald's unbelievable dancing and <laughs> Malinsky and all of them, man, that that's unreal. And we did talk about off air a little bit, how, you know, it looked like they had fun. That's the important thing. Yes, indeed they did. I, I feel like it, it, it really, that is one of the coolest things about uh, BRSN that I think really shows the human side. of people. Yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely right about that and now straying a little bit away from that Alex I kind of want to talk about maybe moments of the season and to start things off for me again this opinion may be slightly unpopular given the really the the graciousness the grace of some of these goals of this season but to me I think best goal this season not because he was my betting horse as to who will be the breakout star of the season but Ben Berard's bar down goal it was an overtime it was a 2-1 victory against yep. Quinnipiac I believe back in January his yep. bar down goal that sound was so satisfying to me Alex it was so satisfying and the way the way it just flew off his stick was incredible to you me love to hear that sound it was there's no, there's no better sound than that. ASMR. That, exactly. Cocky ASMR. I, I have to give it to Berard for goal this season. That, that to me was goal this season. Now, some others may lean a different way. How about you, Alex? Um, goal of the season. Actually, you know what? Without even thinking about it that much, I'm going to go with Sam Malinsky's goal. That's what I think. Boston University yeah. at, uh, at Madison Square Garden. Yep. I, I like it because Malinsky picked a pass. Yeah. And then I I you know he pulled a Kale McCarr move there. He 
picked the puck off, hit the brakes, mad dashed to the front of the net, and he elevated. And what I remember most about that goal was the reaction from the BU commentators mm-hmm. because they're not supposed to sound like excited when a Cornell person scores. But if you listen to the tape of them doing that game, you actually like hear a little bit of a like, wow, that was a great goal. It's like, it's like, and Malinsky picks it up and whoa, a goal. Malinsky goes up high. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, no, he, he elevated there. That was a lights out goal there. He's not going to miss that. That was unbelievable. I had a feeling that was going to be the popular one. I'm not going to lie. I would have, I placed that at a very close second, but again, the Berard moment was just unreal. And again, especially against the goalie like Yanni Ferre or Yanif Peretz or Peretz. Yes, yes. I mean, <laughs> as the Bobcats commentators like to call him, which is, I think, is just butchering his name. I'm sorry. I, I also theorized that too. But uh, I mean, like, what do I know? Maybe, maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe that's what he prefers to go by. But to us here on the Big Red Hockey Cast, he's just simply Yanif Peretz. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but but yeah, to me, Molinsky, that's a great choice. I think that's the popular choice if we were to ask the fans. And I mean, to me, just again, Berard's goal was stellar. Both were stellar, really. And with that, I, I think we were on accordance with this. We hinted it off air a little bit, Alex, uh, you and me, with save of the season. I feel like we both kind of have the same choice here. Yes, I, I would agree. I, I, I think we're, we're thinking Nodak series, right? We are. Absolutely. Yeah, we are. I am. Absolutely. And I think you're referring to the, uh, the penalty save of Ian oh, Shane. What an amazing save. He made that, it look that, so easy. That's the thing. I know. And, and it's not. It, it, it really not. is not. To save something on a breakaway or a penalty shot, like, and, 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 and even this weekend, you know, it – those shots are some of the hardest to stop because they're the most unpredictable. Mm. And I'll tell you, he made it look unbelievably easy. What a, what a save against uh, Nodak. It was just smooth all around. It, it was just smooth all around. And really the goalie, you would argue that the goalie has no sort of momentum in those sorts of situations. Like the goalie has to produce his own momentum. Just speaking from the psychology, of, from a goaltender standpoint, you know, your team may be cheering you on, but unlike the forward who's coming at you on a breakaway, or of course, in this case, you know, a shootout or a penalty rather, a goalie has to self-engineer sort of his own confidence and his own momentum, his own inertia. And again, yeah. that's, that's what made him look so cool, calm, collected. Challenging the shooter. He was very calm, very collected. I think that's when he plays his best hockey too. Because like, I've... Honestly, like having talked with him and, 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 you know, I've sort of come to see what he meant because when he said, I remember Ian saying something about like, oh, you know, it's always better. And I feel like I play my best hockey, something along the lines of this, when there's a lot of shots on goal. Mm. And I was like, at first I had no idea what he was talking about. Cause like, as a goalie, like, don't you want less shots? And he's like, no, he's like, I want as many shots as I can. So I keep myself you know, in the right headspace, you keep yourself invigorated. Exactly. And, and that's kind of, that, that's what was so cool about his philosophy as a goaltender. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And of course, I think, I think it's, it's really imperative that we give the seniors a thanks. Again, this, this show really would not have been done without, of course, the Cornell team itself. But we, we always have to thank really the, leaders and captains of the locker room so without further ado i believe we should address some senior thank yous yes absolutely so first off and and, and we're going to go through everybody that we've had on the podcast so far this year we've had most of the seniors on mm. um this year and uh i'm going to start off with none other than the chosen one oh, Nate yes. mcdonald <laughs> he closes out the season with a record of seven one and one a nine oh four save percentage and a 238 goals against average and a single shutout. And what's so interesting is that having not played a game for Cornell entering his senior year, aside from preseason matchups, yeah, he definitely proved his worthiness for the job. That's why we called him the chosen one and then some. He <laughs> recorded his first shutout against Yale, endearing himself to the line of faithful 
who could be heard uh, groaning in despair when Nate would shroud his beautiful, beautiful face in that goalie mask. <laughs> However, perhaps his most memorable moments came on senior night when he avenged the brutal shootout loss against Clarkson, making 22 saves to secure a 6-2 victory and taunting the rowdy Clarkson fan cohort after time expired before being mobbed by his teammates. And I, we saw him cry after that. We saw him cry. Yeah. That was, there was some emotion there. We all knew that. That was unbelievable. You know, well, and what, what a good showing. Uh, it's not, not to continue the Star Wars theme of, you know, the chosen one and everything, but one could argue that that 6-2 victory, I think it was you who said this, it was sort of that return of the Jedi moment, you know, episode six. Yes. Uh, Luke Skywalker comes back. He overpowers the dark side. You know, you'll probably know it by now. And if you haven't yeah. watched it and I just spoiled it for you, what are you doing with your life? Dude, <laughs> seriously, watch Star Wars, man. I mean, but, like, but with, like during the yeah. off season, you need to watch Star Wars. Oh, speaking of Star Wars or, think, or things related to space, Nate McDonald, I think I might have said this already before, but I did watch Interstellar. You, sir, have great taste. That is a, that is a solid movie. I'm very glad I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. No, and what a uh, what a touching, um, what 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 a touching tribute he made on Instagram recently, as uh, yes. you know his send off. I always feel like always feel like there's something really really heartfelt about those senior send offs and stuff. And mm -hmm. no, yeah, and no, but now let's move on to our next senior, and it's none other than uh, number three the defenseman out of Fargo, North Dakota. That's right, mm -hmm. Cody Haskinen. The first person to ever be on the Big Red Hockey cast. And boy, what an honor it was to have you on. Um, Cody goes out with 105 games played, four goals, and 14 assists over his Cornell career. And most of his seasons were unfortunately hyphenated due to injury, but... His presence at, at a, as a top four defenseman for most of his time as a Cornell uh, was definitely essential to Schaefer's lockdown defensive strategy. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, um, it, uh, he, he, he definitely played his heart out. In the last couple of games, he got the starting position in the lineup. He was always there for his teammates. What a kind guy he has. Always had a smile on it, on his face. And, you know, yeah. it will be missed. Now, my... Uh, my memorable moment uh, from him uh, definitely was for the fact that he was on the ice for Alec McRae's goal against Harvard. And that's from five years ago. Man. Uh, as of this year. Yeah. Time flies, man. Yeah. That, that really made me feel old hearing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But a big thank you to Cody Haskin and your time with the big red and obviously for uh, wanting to be a part of the podcast and, us grow man thanks for being on the debut episode it's a true honor it is a true honor in fact very well said alex and our i suppose he was actually our one of our most recent guests i believe he was actually our pen ultimate guest we would love to give a huge thank you to liam motley or also known as the best dj of all time the best dj on the big red hockey team of all time Oh dear. There will okay. never Okay, don't get ahead of yourself there. <laughs> I know some people will disagree. I know the staff would agree with you. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we have to go over his stats. Liam Motley had 61 games, four goals, and two assists over his Cornell career. He was a high octane shutdown defenseman and a real character in the locker room. I mean, do we even need to say it? He was the team DJ. He's not a team DJ. He is the team DJ. And mm -hmm. Motley served as, of course, one of Cornell's main shutdown forwards, particul particularly in his senior year. And after scoring several goal goals on the road during his Cornell career, during a bout with Yale in fall 2021, Motley at last recorded his first goal at Lina Rink, making an impressive diving effort to circumvent the goalie. And of course, I think that just goes to show with that memorable moment was when, you know, Motley got to show off his personality, that eccentric, just contagiously joyous personality by giving the line of faithful 
particularly particularly by section d that rare let me hear you sally you know like that right oh, there. oh yeah and forever cementing himself in the minds of big red fans yeah and and, and i you know i i'll, I'll say this again because i feel like you know the stats have kind of lied about who Liam Motley truly is as a person and as a player. Mm. It's been an honor getting to know him and to meet him and to have him on the podcast. And I, I really do mean it when I say that I don't think that Cornell hockey would be complete without Liam Motley because, you know, even though his presence was just felt, you know, yes. and the Princeton game was when he really like in my mind for his, for this year, other than his goal at line, I think he did a very, very good job in the Princeton game, asserting his physical presence and, you know, playing his game. And he wanted to go out on his terms. And I think he did. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I'd like to end this segment about Liam Motley with a quote from himself. And actually, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, uh, <laughs> what's it? Because uh, I, I just got to pull this up because I think it's too good to uh, let. Uh, yeah, it's not mentioned. I get it. Yeah. Uh, he says, and this was from his Instagram post, life doesn't always give you the storybook ending, but I wouldn't have traded this journey for anything in the world. Here's to the best game on earth. Farewell, hockey. Couldn't have said it any better. That's okay. literally going to make me cry because it's like the, the rides off into the sunset moment right there. Yeah, very yeah. A big thank you to Liam Motley. We love you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, very heartfelt like you, like you just addressed, Alex. And from Liam Motley, we'd also like to extend our thanks to Brendan Locke. Oh, Mr. Locke. You always locked it down. Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank you. I try. <laughs> Hopefully the audience got a chuckle out of that. I hope you did. Now, of course, Brendan Locke had 123 games played, 79 points, or if you want to look at it, 23 goals and 56 assists over his Cornell career. So one could say he had a fantastic career. And of course, he was one of Cornell's elite forwards starting in his freshman year, just looking at it. And Locke always seemed to find the net in big games. This man had big game presence written all over him. In fact, he scored in Cornell's only NCAA tournament win, uh, well, rather NCAA tournament win of Locke's career, of his own career, against Northeastern in both games against BU at Madison Square Garden in the Big Apple. And of course, do we even need to mention that Nodak on the road this season? Again, big yeah. game lock. I already said Northeastern in the NCAA, BU at MSG, Nodak on the road. What more can you say? That, that, if this man needs a CV of his hockey statistics, that man is loaded with it. <laughs> Yeah, for certain. And, you know, again, thank you very much, Brendan, uh, for all that you did for us and you know, for coming on the pod, for being such a welcoming and kind hearted person, man. It, it really and and you I think uh, I think you still owe Sean a dart competition, but, uh, you know, we'll get to that. That is we'll, true. We'll, we'll Hopefully that later. You know. <laughs> I, I still can't get over that. Like, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm really good at darts hey that's something you don't hear every day it's not i'm certainly not the best at it but yeah no thank you very much brendan um, mm -hmm. and now i have to uh introduce our next senior who has become sort of a meme recently for being the guy that comes on the jumbotron after i do my cowbell after i ring the cowbell in the second period he's always famous for the words it's time to get up Get on your feet and let's jump around. That's right. It's none other than number 11 from Flesherton, Ontario, Kyle Betts. All right. So let's break down some of his stats here. 125 games played for Kyle Betts. Certainly a very, very long career. 48 points. We want to break that down even further. 17 goals and 31 assists mm. over his Cornell career. And like I said, possibly the poster child for Cornell hockey. Always the man leading the charge in the pregame warmups mm -hmm. uh, with, with such vigor and such strength there. Uh, it's always a joy to see him 
you know, rally the troops before the game alongside his tri-captains. That's always fun to do. Um, and what a season he had this year, I think. And, and, and he embodied everything about Big Red's hockey culture. He played with an unmatched aggression on, aggression on the ice, and he carried himself like a true Cornelian in the classroom, and he never backed down from a physical altercation and stood yeah. up for his team, even in the nastiest of scrums or opponents. We saw that multiple times this weekend as well as against Quinnipiac. Um, and he was always uplifting for those around him in the locker room. And on senior night in, a 2022, in 2022 against a vicious Clarkson squad, he recorded two goals and an assist, av avenging the um, painful shootout loss and he essentially is the adopted Ithacan who spent his summers enjoying the peaceful glory of the Finger Lakes. Uh, excuse me, of the Finger Lakes. And so with that, Obi-Wan's Kenobi. <laughs> there. We'll be surely missed <laughs> That's pretty good. at Lina Rink come October. Although I believe he was voted by a couple players to be the, be the guy who becomes the next Topher Scott. So I, I don't believe think it was him. I don't think we've seen the last of Kyle Betts. You know, I, I think that he'll be around. This could be a see you later sort of moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a see you later alligator. Not, 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 uh, not so long. Yeah, not a chat. But <laughs> certainly his big win, uh, his big moment, two goals and an assist as part of the 6-2 uh, win. And we'd also like to thank Zach Bramwell. Even though he didn't play very many games during his porno career, he was – called upon numerous times throughout his career when players were injured or in need of relief. And he answered the call every single time and had a very, very commanding presence both on and off the ice and tried to make his presence known. So Zach, we thank you very much and we wish you all the best in your endeavors. Additionally, I'd like to call attention to Misha Song, who will graduate this year Misha was a very, very commanding presence off the ice and on the ice. And even though he didn't play in many games, he excelled in the classroom and is the first native-born Chinese player to be drafted by an NHL team. And he can claim that for the rest of his life. Thank you, Misha, so much. And furthermore, I'd like to address Max Andreev. Max, we'll see you next year, but, you know, that doesn't really do justice to the season you've had this year as a senior, and you've had an unbelievable season, most notably. You had nine, nine goals, 14 assists, and 23 points in all the games he's played this year. What an amazing season for a senior and what an unbelievable accomplishment. Max, we thank you so much. All the best. And so I guess with that, we have to thank you to someone who is quite literally the lifeline and lifeblood of this podcast. And that is none other than Shaner, uh, Shane mm -hmm. Tallarico, uh, the director of hockey operations for the men's hockey team. Thank you very much. Um, none of this would have been possible without you and without your constant sticking up for us, trying to get us guests at odd hours of the day, you know, when <laughs> yeah, we'll text you and you're probably on the, uh, on the bus coming home because we're trying to plan an episode for the next day. What, what an amazing, um, what, what an amazing guy. And I, I can't wait till we actually get him on the podcast just to hear his philosophy like for everyone else i know sean and i have gotten to know him quite well um over, over the last year of working with him but like it really I, I think the fans deserve to know the man behind the mask or the man behind the curtain so again thank you so much to shane tallarico and of course you know one could argue that and i would i would probably assert that uh shane tallarico coach shane tallarico he's part of the team oh yeah I, I would say that he's part of our team 
and you know speaking of our team we have you know firstly i gotta thank you alex for being a fantastic co-host you just you have so much knowledge that's that's extremely admirable admirable and so i have to commend you on that you are a fantastic co-host i'm so glad i got to do this with you and on top of that i'd also like to thank our producer mike farku you know just personally of course we always have our little bouts yeah. with him you know little canadian american sort of oh, fun yeah. there the canadian american <laughs> rivalry oh wait 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 and and i'm gonna say this on the podcast just uh just because okay so for those of you who are insiders on the brsn stuff mike and i made a bet during the olympics that if uh that if the canada beat the usa uh, I would sing the national anthem for him. And we mm. sent that video to uh, the higher powers. And hopefully someday we'll distribute it. Maybe, so you hopefully can hear my beautiful day. rendition of the Canadian, Ameri- uh, Canadian national anthem as an American. However, I, still have to I would like to there. publicly say on this forum that Mike owes me a beautiful rendition of the American national anthem because the USA men's uh, Paralympic sled hockey team beat Canada five to nothing over the weekend. That's all I'm going to say about that. Well, but, you, you heard it here, yeah, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Again, thank you, uh, Mike. We love you, man. This wouldn't have been possible without you. And again, Sean, thank you for being my co-host, man. I, I wouldn't have, have picked a better co-host or, and it's been an honor to, to talk hockey with you every week. I mean, I, it, it really, I, I'm, I'm surprised you could still put up with me. After all of my ramblings about stuff. (laughs) (laughs) No, come on, Alex. Come on. No, thank you. And of course, I we also need to extend our thanks to our statistician that we mentioned earlier, Ben Rudoy. He does so much behind the scenes work too. And we have to give it to him because this man is also another one of those encyclopedias about Cornell Big Red hockey history and culture. He's another one of those. So we have to we have to give him where his credit is due right there. Hopefully, beer league champion. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how the season's going. He hasn't updated us on it. But uh, still yeah, wishing the best of he, luck. He, he said his team was in the playoffs. So hey, you know, hey, I'm that's trying to get sense. in on that action for <laughs> for next year for certain. And of course, we also have to thank John Ashbrook, who would also do a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that we do here on the production side. So John Ashbrook, you being actually, I believe, one of our latest members to the team. We got to give you a big thanks. And for staying up late to watch the games with us, man, dude, he's been in in the Netherlands, dude, you know, that's, that's a five, six hour time difference. And of course we, like we mentioned earlier, the higher powers, they've done so much for the big red hockey cast, as well as big red sports network overall, the organization. So Sophia Prieto and Gabby Nevin, some of the biggest big red fans, some of the most, really exemplary figures of what it means to be line of faithful we also have to thank you for all the effort that you put into this and i you guys are probably realizing that you know we're giving thank yous and we're you know thanking you know obviously the whole team but this doesn't mean the show is over you know despite that the season is over the show will go on this is just more of a you know post playoff thank you maybe one could say See you later, alligator. Yes, to, to exactly. a certain extent. Not, not like, no, no. We will be back. We're we're trying to get some alumni on. I know, uh, I know. Uh, Mike had been talking about getting uh, possibly Coach Dara back on if we could, yeah, or uh, or you know some members of the Canadian women's hockey team. As much as it pains me to say that as an American, no, no, I'm a Cornelian <laughs> too. So like I understand, uh, but. Yeah, no, so we're looking, uh, so we have some good content hopefully coming up in the near future. This is not the last you've heard of us, but we will certainly be back with more sin bins and Cornell hockey stuff come next season, and we will be counting down the days for certain. Hopefully, I, and I'm praying we get to do this, we get to suit Sean up in some goalie equipment oh, so we can get some shots <laughs> on him. And we, can, we, we can bring out Mots and a couple guys and hopefully take some shots on Sean. But hey. I'm not scared, but man, yeah, I forgot how hard skating was. I have to, I have to admit that. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, forgot. Yeah. I forgot. I oh, forgot. But, but I'm more than down to do it. 
And of course, you you brought up some names there. So we, I think it's inevitable, and I think it's needless to say, but we have to thank the guests that we have had on this show. You know, we got to see, we got to see what it meant or what it means to be a Cornellian athlete. You're playing, you're you're playing the most prestigious form of hockey, of college hockey here at Cornell University, being a part of the Big Red. And yet when, when, whenever we interview these players, they always demonstrate such a down-to-earth character that is so appreciated and sometimes could be overlooked. So we mm-hmm. have to thank all the guests that we've had here. You know, endless names really. You, I mean, in fact, you could go check the past episodes <laughs> to see who we've had. But every single guest we've had, everyone was down-to-earth down to earth everyone was always down to joke everyone had a nice sense of humor so oh, yeah we have we always have to thank our guests and arguably most importantly we have to thank you the listener for sticking with us this whole season you know being loyal to the team first of all to to the big red not to mention being part of the line of faithful listening to us that goes that goes beyond just how honorable it feels like we've like i remember alex you and i have been stopped before you know just walking by and people would recognize our voices and they would be oh, like yeah. oh yeah you're sean and alex and yeah. you know it would be it would be surreal it's a surreal feeling but it's one that always feels so warm and so yeah. we have to thank you the listeners for being so kind for being so engaging and just for being part of the line of faithful yeah being part of us we're all part of this massive massive community we mm-hmm. all are united in our love for cornell hockey and every friday every saturday night during the winter man we're always there rain or shine no matter no matter if it's game one the first game of the season or it's game three where it's do or die we're always there man and i'll say i had had a massive amounts of fun getting to know people and, and you know, I, I really appreciate it. And I, we all do. Of course. And so with those thank yous, we always have to do the final one. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the big red hockey cast for, and from the line of faithful. This has been a big red sports network production. BRSN is a student run organization dedicated to promoting the voices of Cornell student athletes. So make sure to check out at Cornell BRSN on Instagram and www.cornellbrsn.com. And of course, shout out to our producers, Michael Farku, Mike Seitz and Jay Klein. We'd also like to thank Ben Rudoy, John Ashbrook, Gabby Nevin, and Sophia Prieto once more, our latest members of the Big Red Hockey Cast team. Not, not goodbye now. Let's say we'll be back. That's okay. I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> Sounds good. Ciao, ciao for now. <laughs>